I couldn't. I was trying to come up with an idea for an exhortation. I asked Courtney, what would you like me to speak on? She said, well, I like character studies. Why don't you do it on Rahab? I said, that's a good idea. I'll do a character study on Moses. So I'm doing a character study on Moses. And Moses, he's a peculiar character in the scripture. As we know, he was pulled from a basket in a river by an Egyptian princess. And this princess raised Moses in the house of the Pharaoh of Egypt. He was raised as a prince and would likely have become an officer in the palace. However, Moses knew of his heritage and was sympathetic towards the Hebrews who served as slaves to the Egyptians. Despite his raising, he chose to protect his people rather than become a mighty man in the house of a king. And we can recall the account of him seeing the Egyptian beat the Hebrew slave. And when he saw that nobody was looking, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And then later on, he found out that people knew about it and he ran. This dedication to his people and other characteristics such as humility and meekness are what made Moses a desirable person to Yahweh to have him serve as his ambassador to, for the Hebrews. These characteristics also are what made him so peculiar. Not many of us, if any of us, can say that given the choice between a life of royalty or a life of shepherding and wandering in the desert with a nation of people who complain about you most of the time, uh, that we would choose the latter given that we had no idea or little idea of what the nation's hope was, of the, or of that nation's hope was. So this morning we'd like to study a few of these characteristics possessed by Moses and see if they're consistent with our own behavior. Numbers 12.3, let me read this verse. It's a familiar verse to all of us, it should be. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So as this, as this says, he was the meekest person on the face of the earth. The word meek comes from a word meaning depressed figuratively, in mind gentle or circumstances, needy especially saintly, and is also translated humble, lowly, and poor. Grandpa used to say that meek isn't weak, it's teachable. A meek person is one who is humble and able to humble himself when he knows that he has done something wrong and needs direction. Humble and meek are nearly synonymous because you cannot be proud and also meek as well as you cannot be humble and too stubborn to admit fault and learn from it. Of the meek, there are numerous scripture, and we're going to read quite a few of these just to make a point. Psalm 22, 6. an incorrect reference. I'm not sure which one that's supposed to be, but we'll... Here it is, verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise Yahweh that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. And Psalm 25, verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. And also, uh, verse 12 and 14 of this, of this same chapter. What man is he that feareth Yahweh? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. 
The secret of Yahweh is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. And these verses, though they don't speak, uh, say anything specifically about a meek person, these verses are just to show that there are numerous other verses that deal with the same concept of being taught the laws and statutes Yahweh has put forth when we are of a character that will receive them. That is, a meek character. Psalm 37:11. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm 76, 6 to 9. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a deep sleep, into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art a art to be feared and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven the earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth and those verses are just to kind of show the context of what we're reading in verse 9 when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth those are the people that God wants to bring into his kingdom the people who are meek who are willing to learn his word to learn his way to learn about his character and try to manifest that character. Psalm 147.6 Which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth... Hang on, that's, that may be... Am I reading the wrong one? 147.6, that's 146. Yahweh lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. Psalm 149, verse 4. For Yahweh taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Isaiah 11, verse 4. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity all the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Isaiah 29, 18-19. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see, see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in Yahweh. And the poor among them shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me, because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Zephaniah 2, verse 3. Zephaniah 2, verse 3. Seek ye Yahweh, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of Yahweh's anger. Matthew 5, 5. Another familiar verse, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And all these other verses, these other beatitudes, 
could also be read because we realize that they are there to be possessed by all of us. All these beatitudes are, are something that we should, that every one of us should possess all of them collectively, not just one for me and one for you and one for another. It's it's a it's a group of things that he's listing here: the poor in spirit, the they that mourn, the meek, um, they which do hunger and thirst, thirst after righteousness. These these should be a, uh, able to be attributed to each of us. And uh, this last group of verses that we're going to read shows Christ's meek character as well as the apostles and how we too should possess the same. Matthew eleven, verse twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew 21, verse 5. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto me, unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. 1 Corinthians 4, 21. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod, or in love, and in the spirit of meekness? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Galatians 5:23. Another familiar verse. Or 22 also. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We'll come back to that verse a little bit later also. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. And Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Colossians three twelve to thirteen. Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. So also do ye. First Timothy, First Timothy six, eleven to twelve. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, 
meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. So again, here, as we saw in Galatians, this meekness is a part of a group of characteristics that we should possess in order that we may lay hold on eternal life. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 to 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Titus 3, verses 1 through 7. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by words of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. James 1, 20-21 For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your your souls. And also James 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works, his works with meekness of wisdom. And also another verse um, over to 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 6. I know a lot of these verses seem to speak towards the breath, to, to, towards the brother specifically, but for uh, the women also. What verses did I say? 1 through 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. And also First Peter three fourteen to 16. And if ye su- but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. 
but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. And that's the end of the references for that, for uh, meek and meekness specifically. And I know that it's a lot of verses, but uh, God rarely says anything just once throughout Scripture. We usually find it many times. And if it's something that is repeated this many times, we should be we should be paying more attention to it. We should uh, pay a lot of attention to it because it's got it must be uh, something important. And as I said, all these references have something to do with meekness, whether a reward for those who are meek, which were many of the first group of verses we, uh, we read, or teaching us to be meek, uh, such as the last group with uh, Christ's character and, and uh, what Paul taught us about being meek and approaching our brethren with meekness. Um, and I know that kind of sounds funny, teaching somebody to be teachable, but our natural desire is to reject instruction and do the things that we want to do. But that's not our privilege as brethren in Christ. But as Paul says, we must present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. That includes being meek, and it is not asking too much of us. It is reasonable. Other verses from translation uh, from translations of the Hebrew word for meek include uh, Proverbs 3.34 and we'll, we'll take a look at these because there's only uh, five or six of them Proverbs 3 verse 34 surely he scorneth the scorners but he giveth grace unto the lowly lowly is the word there um, Proverbs 16.19 also Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Uh, lowly there also is the same is the word again. And Zechariah nine nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Just as we read the verse before, lowly here is the same word as meek that, uh, uh, that we were reading before. Psalm 9, verse 12. going to be a different word i think this is i think this is poor no this is humble when he maketh inquisition for blood he remembereth them he forgetteth not the cry of the humble psalm 10 verse 12 arise o yahweh o god lift up thine hand forget not the humble and verse 17 yahweh thou hast heard the desire of the humble thou wilt prepare their heart thou wilt cause thine ear to hear in Psalm 34, verse 2. 
My soul shall make her boast in Yahweh. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And the last one is Proverbs fourteen twenty one. This is this is the one translated poor, and it's the only translation of this word um, into the word poor in the English. Proverbs thirty or fourteen verse twenty one. He that is despised, he that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. So all these examples should weight the importance of being meek in our minds. If we are not able to be taught, then we cannot learn. If we cannot learn, then we will not receive the rewards mentioned in the verses that the meek will receive and will not be able to perform our brotherly duty as we are commanded. And we read all these verses, but... Not all learning comes just from reading alone. We also have to uh, speak with our brethren and discuss the truth so that if there's a question in our mind, we can be taught uh, these things and gain understanding from them. Much learning also comes from exhortation and conversation and fellowship with our brethren. If we cannot learn from our brethren, then we are not meek. How much do people learn about Scripture by reading alone? Now, people did learn by reading Scripture. Don't, Don't get me wrong. We have examples of Christ reading from Scripture. And the one that I can remember, the, the reference I think, I don't have it written down, but I think that he got up and he read Isaiah, at, at, well, what, what is ours, Isaiah 53, and then he just and then he sat back down. Um, but we also have examples of Christ reading from the Scripture and then also expounding upon it in the many exhortations he gave as in the Sermon on the Mount. And... Uh, Paul, he wrote many letters and spoke to many people to teach them. And Philip had to teach the eunuch um, because the reading alone that he was reading was not clear to him. So we also must go to our brethren. We must discuss. We must come to these classes. And we must listen and pay attention that we can learn about the Scripture. Because I know I myself have trouble reading through the Scripture. And some things are just a little confusing to me. And when I go to somebody, they're really able to help me understand it better and make it clear. So continuing, going back to Moses, Moses was not always of a meek character. It took time for him. The development of this character, I, I feel, began at the burning bush and continued until it was told him to write the words we read in Numbers concerning himself. Of course, it, it did go beyond that, but uh, it was to that point that he was able to write or that he was told to write, this man Moses was the meekest on the earth. Moses was very hesitant to go and speak before Pharaoh and the Israelites. This is uh, at, the, at the account of the burning bush. When Yahweh charged him to go and bring them out of Egypt, his first answer was, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And when he was answered to this, given an answer to this question, Moses resisted again, saying, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? When answered, he came back again with, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, Yahweh hath not appeared unto thee. And when shown two miracles, he resorted to claiming a fear of speaking to keep from doing this great work. Yahweh answers again, telling him that he is the creator of man's tongue and will put the words in his mouth and will give him the strength to speak them. This desire to not perform... uh, what God has asked him to do remind me uh, of Jonah 
and how he tried to escape what Yahweh asked him to do, but no matter how hard he tried, he had to do what he was commanded to do. He tried to uh, run away. He got on the on the ship from Tarshish, I think it was, and, and ended up being cast into the water, and a whale swallowed him for three days until he was spit out, and then he went and, uh, to Nineveh to speak the words that he was told to speak. And uh, just as it went for Jonah, it was the same for Moses. And uh, he had to do what God told him to do. When answered, when, uh, He answered Yahweh again, saying, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom, him whom thou wilt send. And correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've gathered by the context and the, and the Hebrew words here, he was, uh, he was asking to be sent away and not asked to bring the Israelites out. I think that's what, uh, what he was asking God with this last statement here. But I, I could be wrong if I am. Please correct me. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I just said this. Uh, this, we read, made Yahweh angry who then replaced Moses as the, as the speaker with Aaron, his brother. And on this topic of speaking, it is a thing that we all have to do concerning the truth at some point along our walk. We cannot escape standing up for what we believe or a situation in which we have to give an answer about what we believe and stand for. 1 Peter 3.15 Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And we did already read this verse and uh, that when we were speaking of meekness, but we're back on it again on the topic of the necessity of speaking. And I think this is a, a great time to point out how, how interwoven the scripture is. It should be obvious to us here just because we're on this topic that we, we were speaking about meekness before, now we're talking about the necessity of giving an answer when the time comes. And these are two different topics, both related to Moses, but we both find a, find a, a, a relation made between them in one verse. And as this verse says, we do have to give an answer. We should be well-versed enough in Scripture that if we are asked questions, we can answer them. And if we find ourselves in a situation that we do not agree with or are confronted with a doctrine or choice that we don't agree with, we are required to stand up with, for the truth and give account of why we don't agree with it. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7 says that there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And I think I remember uh, Brother Tommy uh, saying something recently on, on the verses in uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 7. Our examples of both a time to speak and a time to keep silence are given in Scripture. Christ stood and proclaimed the truth and ridiculed the Pharisees and their behavior numerous times because it was necessary that the people know that their leaders were not behaving as they should. Paul, in all the letters he wrote, corrected the brethren who were sinning and bolstered others against the false doctrines that were creeping in. Again, he wrote letters, he stood up, and he spoke for what he was supposed to because it was necessary. It was necessary for him to say and write the things he did to keep the truth alive. It was necessary for him to withstand Peter to the face in order to turn him back to the correct path. And as the verse says, there is also a time to keep silence. And I think I have two uh, references for this case 
and uh, that's John 8, verse 6. And this is a familiar reference for us. Both of these are. John 8, verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote in the ground, as though he heard them not. And also John 19, verse 9. And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. So this speaking problem was something that Moses had. It followed him his whole life. Though he was able to be the mediator between Yahweh and Aaron, he still could not bring himself to speak in front of the people that he led. At the water of Meribah, Moses was commanded to speak to the rock, and it would bring water. Instead, he struck the rock twice. For this, both he and Aaron were prohibited from entering the land. Though Moses was a meek and humble person, he too had trouble following Yahweh's commands. Just like us, he sinned and came short of the glory of God. So let us take lesson in Moses' shortcoming and remember that when it is time to speak, we must speak, and when it is time to keep silence, we must keep silent. There are enough examples and commands in the scripture to know the difference between these times. And lastly, we'll take a look at the example of Moses' humble character. Numbers 16, 3 to 4. And there's a few verses in this chapter that we're going to make reference to. We won't read all of them, but you can take a look at them as we go, go through this. Numbers 16, verse 3 to 4. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and Yahweh is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of, the, of Yahweh. And when Moses heard this, he fell on his face. So Moses, when hearing the nature of Korah's statement, immediately fell on his face, knowing that Korah was in a position to be struck down by Yahweh immediately. He used this tactic to calm Korah and try to keep him from following through on blasphemous words. When Dathan and Abiram also spoke words of blasphemy to Moses and Aaron, Moses turned on them in verse 15. We will read that one. Um, and Moses was very wroth and said unto Yahweh, Respect not their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. In verse 21, when Yahweh would have destroyed the entire congregation, Moses still fell on his face and pleaded for them, even though they all spoke against him. In verse 41, when the people came against Moses and Aaron the day after Korah and his company were destroyed, Moses still interceded for the people and had Aaron run into the crowd to make an atonement for them that they should not all be killed by the plague. And I believe that this does show Moses' humble character, even though it doesn't say it specifically. If you were a proud person and one who did not care about these people, he would have it would not have been wrong for him, I don't think, to have allowed God to destroy these people if God so chose. God was not going to destroy the Israelites. We realize that. But it was God's righteous judgment to make that choice. Moses did not have to stand and say uh, and, and plead for, for the children of Israel when they were all speaking against them. It would have been of a proud character, though, to stand up and say, yes, I'm better than these people Go ahead, destroy them, because you can raise up a, a, a people much better than them. 
And uh, again, in Deuteronomy 9, 13 to 20, I think this is probably also a fairly familiar reference to us. Furthermore, Yahweh spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against Yahweh your God, and had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which Yahweh had commanded you. And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands, and brake them before your eyes. And I fell down before Yahweh as at the first forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins, which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith Yahweh was wroth against you to destroy you. But Yahweh hearkened unto me at that time also. And Yahweh was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Again, it was not Moses who committed these sins. It was the people of Aaron, uh, uh, well, it was Aaron and also the people of the children of Israel. It was not necessary for him to uh, go and plead for them. But because he remembered the covenant that God made with Abraham, he did go and do this because uh, he wanted that to be fulfilled and it it would be fulfilled. And uh, this just shows his humble character that he would go and make this intercession for the people though it was not his own sin. And these are these are just the examples that I found uh, to attribute to the uh, his humble character. So in summary, Moses was known as the meekest man on the earth at the time he led Israel through the wilderness. We know he was a humble man also as humility is necessary for meekness. He was self-sacrificing, reminding Yahweh of his covenant with Abraham at the times he would have destroyed Israel for their foolishness. He was a great example of the character we should develop and we can, as we continue our walk. And we know he was compared to Christ as... We know he was compared to Christ as well, and Christ certainly had a similar character to Moses, humility, meekness, faithful, and loving. However, Christ did not suffer from the inability to speak as Moses did. And as in any character study, there is always a flaw unless your study is on Christ. And the lesson we should learn from this, from Moses' study is that we should always be ready to give an answer for what we believe. And more importantly, that we should be able to stand up for the truth against those who would tear it down. We must obey the commands of Yahweh, even when they are unpleasant, and test our weaknesses. We are made strong through trial. If we work on them, our weaknesses will become our strength. We should remember that meekness is part of the fruit of the Spirit. The whole fruit is what we hope and strive to develop, because the man who manifests the fruit of the Spirit as his character will be granted eternal life at the judgment seat. The verses that enumerate the fruit of the Spirit come right after a list of sins that keep us out of the kingdom in Galatians 5.19. And let's, let's turn over there real quick. read a series of verses here starting at 19 now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these 
adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. If all these things keep us out, this list of verses that we read before the fruit of the Spirit, then certainly the fruit of the Spirit must get us in. And thus, those are the characteristics that we do want to develop, and meekness being the one that we are focusing on today. So let us develop this character of meekness that as Moses was counted among the faithful in Hebrews 11, we too, on our day of accountability, may be found among the faithful. We'll have our memorial hymn at this time.